God owns everything. That's Psalm 24. God owns everything. Time, talent, treasure. And the parable of the talents confirms that God doesn't want us to give back to what he's entrusted to us. He wants more. Today on First Person, we'll hear from an experienced Christian businessman, the former CEO of the Service Master Company, Bill Pollard, will talk about navigating the choices we all face in life. Welcome to this week's conversation. I'm Wayne Shepard. I'll introduce today's guest in just a moment. Thanks for your feedback on our recent interviews. We're able to meet such interesting people each week and enjoy bringing you their stories to you. Anytime you'd like to leave a comment on what you hear, you can visit our Facebook page for that purpose. We're found at facebook.com slash firstpersoninterview. Our website is also a great resource. You can copy the link to any program and share it with someone else you think might enjoy listening. Just go to firstpersoninterview.com. Bill Pollard has distinguished himself both as a leader in business and as a dedicated Christ follower who sees no distinction between the two in life. His recent book, The Tides of Life, Share some of the lessons he's learned and wants to pass on to a new generation of leaders. Bill came to our studio recently to talk about those lessons. Well, Wayne, um, I love to sail. (laughs) And, uh, you know, when you're sailing, uh, you have to deal with forces that uh, are not in your control. But they make the difference of whether you go forward or not. The wind is probably the biggest force. But when you're sailing on the ocean, the tides are are also very important as part of understanding, especially when you're going in and out of harbors. So um, I think that typifies a lot about life, uh, certainly my life, uh, that uh, there are tides in my, there were tides in my life and are still that affected the choices I could make uh, that were really out of my control. Uh, But I'm thankful that uh, as part of uh, my faith, uh, I realized there was someone who was in control. Mm. Our mutual friend Don Cole used to teach that the 23rd Psalm could not have been written by a young man. It had to be written by an older man. And a book like yours has to be written by someone who's been through a few seasons of life. Uh, yes, and uh, when I started out, Wayne, it was a book I was going to just write for my grandchildren. <laughs> and... Uh, uh, then, as I got into writing some of my experiences in life, I realized that tripped into things like leadership principles, uh, uh, principles of planning in life and in an organizational behavior, and uh, and also authority. When I when I discuss the whole question of authority, uh, we have issues of authority in an organization, which got involved in the role of a board of directors. Uh, so. I, I I dripped into some other subject <laughs> as I was writing this for my yeah, grandchildren. Well, we are richer for it, believe me. I, I do want to go back to the beginning and, and get some of the early part of your life, but just talk about what it is like to to write about your life looking back over so many years and given the, the perspective that comes. I know there have been hard seasons and joyful seasons too, but what's that like? Well, for me, writing is a chore. <laughs> it doesn't come easily for me. But the times of reflection, uh, I have, uh, on this book, uh, those times spanned, spanned three years. Uh, and what I did is use uh, some of the talks I gave at Service Master uh, and uh, 
Also, some of the uh, discussions I had with my wife about our joint life together. We just celebrated 55 years of marriage. Mm -hmm. And then then reflected on those as to what were the principles, how were those decisions made, and what were the lessons I learned, what were the mistakes I made. Uh, So there was a lot of reflection in the writing. Mm Mm-hmm. But your grandchildren still benefited from the book, even though it was broadened out to everyone, right? Absolutely. Yeah. They, they obviously all have a copy. Uh, I still have a, a grandchild who's in uh, uh, third grade, so he doesn't fully appreciate everything in the book. <laughs> he will. But, um, <laughs> or she will. Most of my grandchildren are either – well, they're almost all in college or uh, past college, and, and some of them have been married. Mm-hmm. So uh, one of the thrills in life is to see them come back and uh, give some appreciation or understanding. But another thrill is just to see uh, people that I've had contact with in life, uh, and this is an example, Wayne, of just last night. Um, A person came to the door and knocked to my front door, and uh, here's a fellow who was in politics in uh, our county here that I had gotten to know, and I would sent him a copy of the book. And uh, he's been just studying it for the last three months. Mm. And he came over, he wanted to come over and talk to me and thank me. Uh, uh, And so it's those kinds of things that uh, are very rewarding. A little that goes a long ways, doesn't it? Yeah, it sure does. Yeah. All right, well, take me back. Um, You grew up in a Christian home? I did. I had the the great privilege of having Christian parents. uh, And um, uh, I. uh, that was, as I look back, especially on it, uh, uh, it was uh, very important for me. Your father died when you were qu- when he was very young. Uh, you were how old? Well, he died when he was sixty, and uh, I was eighteen uh, in my freshman year in college. Mm-hmm. Yeah, seems very young to me yeah, to die right. at sixty, doesn't it? Well, he had a heart attack when he was fifty-four, and uh, that. Uh, at that time, I, of course, was much younger. And uh, from that time on, he was very careful about his life. Uh, but things changed in our home, um, and things changed in his business. So that uh, uh, he couldn't, he, he was a sales rep for manufacturing companies, did a lot of traveling, but he couldn't do the traveling after that. And uh, Did it change him? It it. He was more sober, uh, but he was still active in coming to my athletic events, and we still had great talks. Um, but he never never thought I would uh, make much of a lawyer. I was uh, interested in, in becoming a lawyer because I didn't read enough. <laughs> I remember those those long lectures I got. <laughs> <laughs> he, he thought you should have been more of a reader? Right, right. And I also remember during those years after his first heart attack, uh, my mother was in, in a real protection mode for his health. So uh, as I was growing up as somewhat of a rambunctious teenager, I was always concerned that the things I got involved in uh, might cause him to have extra stress. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, so what was your relationship like with your father? Well, one of great respect uh, and uh, one uh, of uh, I could always talk to him about subjects. But I think the respect and I revered my father. Mm. Bill, when did your faith become yours and not your parents? Well, it was it was a time when I was um, eight years old, and uh, we had just uh, 
uh, had a uh, Sunday dinner with the local preacher, uh, and uh, the talk was about the second coming of the Lord on the table. And uh, that evening, my mother decided she was not going to church and was going to stay home. And I stayed home uh, that night, and I started peppering her with questions because I had a fear that I might wake up one morning and my parents would be gone Mm -hmm. and I'd be left. And it was then that she read uh, a number of the passages familiar to me. I had memorized them in in Sunday school. But then she turned uh, uh, to one in uh, Galatians uh, 3.26, For you are all children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. And it was a simple step of faith that I had to take, and I did so at my mother's knee. But, of course, as you know, Wayne, uh, for me and on our walk of faith, that was just the beginning. Yeah. It's uh, it takes a while it does. to really come to grips with it and fully understand, and maybe in a sense we never do. Yeah, but it's by faith. Yeah, uh, through grace by faith. Um, did you ever doubt afterwards? Did you yes. go, ever go through a crisis time? I never never recall a, a real crisis time of doubting. I did have uh, times, especially in my teenage years, where I refer to it as kicking against the bricks. Uh, the the rules, the, the you know, we fairly strict rules in our household, uh, uh, the rules, quote, of our faith, and what I was experiencing uh, was freedom that my friends had. And uh, so I, and also the inconsistency of the, what I saw as inconsistency of the application of the rules in a Christian environment. And yet uh, you chose to go to a Christian college, Wheaton College, did you have that sorted out by the time you went to college, or were you still kicking the bricks? There? You had a lot of bricks to kick there. <laughs> yeah, right. I had most of it sorted sorted out, and I was I was I was determined. I wanted to go to Wheaton and play football, huh. and uh, that that was. And Harv Krauser, who was the athletic director there, was very instrumental in in encouraging and recruiting me to Wheaton. But I, as I say in the book, I. I, I'm not a good tester of standard uh, standard tests. I don't get good grades, and I was I was unsure whether Wheaton was going to accept me until uh, late August, hmm. just before football camp started. Some things don't change, do they? Right. And a lot right. of anxiety among right. students today. Right. right, right. You met your wife there at Wheaton. Those those must have been great years for you. Great years, uh, uh, they were, and uh, and uh, I. Uh, I appreciate my friendships that came out of Wheaton. They've been uh, lifelong, haven't they? They have been lifelong. It's one of the uh, – I've always encouraged people when you come to Wheaton, you, you learn. But the most – the greatest benefit for me and many of our alumni was, was what happens afterwards with the friendships you have mm-hmm. in various places of the world, really. Mm-hmm. But despite your father's doubts, you went on to law school. I did. And uh, that was uh, the um, encouragement of my professor, uh, Dr. Volkman who was a lawyer, an accountant uh, in the business department. Uh, and uh, I was already married uh, by the end of our um, junior year, so I had to think about supporting a family, and I had a small painting business and going to law school. But uh, the law school admitted me and gave me a scholarship of all things. So my total cost to go to Northwestern Law School was $300. Yes, right. <laughs> uh, so Put I, a few zeros on that today. Yes, that's right. That's right. <laughs> Uh, so I, I uh, and it was a it was a very very 
important time in my life mm. because uh, most of the way law is taught in uh, the um, in many of the law schools and certainly at Northwestern was through the Socratic method. So it it forced me to think about issues, issues of life, issues in the law, issues in my faith. Uh, and it was a real disciplining time for my mind. We'll continue today's conversation with businessman Bill Pollard, the author of The Tides of Life, coming up in a moment. Next time, the story of Mission Aviation Fellowship is told by its president, John Boy. The profoundness of what MAF is. We serve the most isolated people in communities that don't have access to basic human needs like medical attention and doctors and medicines and more than that, the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. We'll get the full story behind Mission Aviation Fellowship as you meet John Boyd next time on First Person. My guest on First Person today is Bill Pollard. He is the author of the new book, The Tides of Life, Learning to Lead and Serve as You Navigate the Currents of Life. And uh, I've read the book through a couple of times, Bill. really appreciate the book. Oh, thank and thank you, you for the lessons. Uh, there are many lessons here for just about any age. You mentioned the grandkids and uh, you're starting out to write for them. But uh, there's something here for all of us, I feel. Why not just kind of coast at this stage of your life? You've had a successful career a uh, couple of stints with Service Master at the helm there and uh, chairman of the board of Wheaton College and so many other uh, accomplishments. Why not just sort of sit back and, and coast a little bit? Well, um, I have a poem near the end of the book, uh, which is, uh, in the end is my beginning and in the beginning is my end. And we, 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 we normally think of that in the latter statement of that phrase, in the beginning is my end. Uh, and uh, there's certainty a big beginning and end of life. But um, as I look at the challenge today of what I have had, what I have experienced in my life, and that is integrating the claims of my faith with the demands of my work, mm-hmm. and how uh, today there's more and more people that are interested in that whole subject, that uh, that's a subject that to me is important for me to continue to encourage, support, either in speaking or in other ways. Uh, So I have an outlet to do that, and I see responses. Uh, Even today, as uh, before we had this interview, as you know, I had a talk in Chicago on that. But So that's one thing. And the other thing is um, some lessons I learned from Peter Drucker, and uh, he was a great influence in my life. He's not just someone you read. You 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 knew him, right? Yeah, he was a friend and a mentor. And uh, uh, he, one of his one of his driving principles, he didn't write much about it, was that uh, the corporation that uh, served customers, made money, created wealth could also be a moral community for the development of human character. Hmm. And I really think uh, corporate America needs that message yeah. today. Pretty radical thinking, and and it probably doesn't permeate business schools today, does it? No, not much, not at, hardly at all. And it it, it is, I think, uh, as you look at the various organizations in life that affect society, 
the corporate organization, the business corporate organization, is, is it has a big impact on society. Hmm. And people are spending most of their waking days in their work environment. So how is it cultivating that person in not only what they're doing, but the person they're becoming? Yeah. This dichotomy between work and faith, I mean, I know you're asked this question a lot, but you seem to have really come to grips with that. I mean, you worked at the corporate level at, you know, Fortune 500 companies, and uh, and you seem to be on top of that. Well, I don't know if I'm ever on top of it. (laughs) I know what you mean. (laughs) But um, it is something that uh, I was introduced to uh, in a major way when I came to Service Master. And frankly, Wayne, before that time, on this issue of faith and work, I was a pretty much of a bifurcated person. Mm-hmm. Church on Sunday, work on Monday. So who led you out of that? Uh, it was really in the service master environment. Uh, now, I had a transition in life before then. Uh, I practiced law for 10 years, and then uh, I came to Wheaton College and served there in uh, the administration and on the faculty uh, under Dr. Armitage for for about four and a half years, and uh, that was a wonderful community, but it was an entire Christian community. So my, my I, I didn't didn't mm-hmm. feel the tension you I was you in. You were tested before. there, were you? But in the marketplace, uh, when I was recruited to join Service Master in 1977, that was a that 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 was a whole other environment. And my predecessor, starting with Marion Wade, and Marion used to just put it very simply. He said, "I can't leave God in the pew on Sunday. I have to bring him." to work on Monday. Just can't do it. <laughs> can't do it. And that infiltrated the whole development of that company. And Ken Hansen and Ken Westner, my predecessors, uh, really, really developed it. And it was uh, there in our objectives to honor God in all we do, to help people develop, to pursue excellence, and to grow profitably. And those first two objectives were end goals. The second two were means goals. And... Uh, I then be, was able to develop this whole understanding that in life there are good means goals that have no eternal purpose, and the end goals have eternal purpose, but their means goals are essential. Yeah. And uh, uh, so that's that's um, part of uh, the great learning uh, that I experienced in Service Master. You mentioned those objectives. Publicly traded company, you get pushback on that? Oh, yeah. We got pushback all the time. Uh, sometimes we got pushback as we were recruiting people. We got pushback from – I can remember every time I would make a presentation on Wall Street and look at the audience, I'd see somebody s- sitting out there with a furled brow. And and I, said, and I would say – I would introduce the question. I'd say, I bet you somebody out there is wondering <laughs> what is the relationship between God and profit? <laughs> and I want to tell you in Service Master – the way we view it is that people, hmm. people, that, that, that's what makes the two work. And it's people created in the image and likeness of God with their own dignity and worth and fingerprint of potential. And our responsibility is to have them work productively and effectively, but also to become better people. Yeah. Plus, it's hard to argue with success. Right. Right. Service Master was very successful. Well, very with successful. With those objectives. Very successful. Wayne, I would only say that we were successful. Those objectives were very important and confirmed what, again, Drucker said, people work for a cause, not just a living. But uh, at the same time, 
success wasn't automatic. Yeah, <laughs> we had to work. A lot at of it. hard work involved too. <laughs> right. Yeah, sure. I cannot take that away from you. You've mentioned Peter Drucker, Ken Hansen, um, Marion Wade, mentors, right? Yes. Talk about mentoring. I I found both with them, and in my life, when people have asked me to mentor, it's best done when the situation occurs for it. If mentoring is overstructured, we're going to meet every Monday morning to mentor or uh, once a month to mentor. I'm so glad to hear you say that. <laughs> it, 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 becomes, it becomes a structure. It doesn't become meaningful. So right. these people uh, at times intervened in my life or I intervened in their life asking, asking questions. I'll, I'll never forget. I'll give you an example of this, uh, a Ken Hansen example. When I first came to Service Master, I had the, I had the, um, the staff side of the business basically reporting to me, and then they started to give me some of the operating responsibilities. And the franchise group was 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 one of those. And I remember Ken coming to the office saying, "Bill, why do our franchisees still pay us fees?" I said, "Oh, Ken, look at what we're doing for him." And I gave him a long list of things that we were doing for him. And he looked at me and he said, you still don't understand the business. And he turned around and walked out of my office. <laughs> so I, I ran after him. I said, get back in my office and tell me what, what I need to understand. And he came back and looked me right in the eye and said, in the eye. And he said, Bill, they continue to pay the fee because they want to belong. Mm. And don't you ever forget it. Mm. You've got to keep an environment of a desire to belong yeah. to something bigger and more successful. So he held you accountable. Yeah, and that's part of mentoring. That's isn't exactly it? To, right. To hold to hold people accountable. Yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah, yeah. Huh. Is there a, a verse? A lot of people have a life first. I don't know if you have a life first, but is there a verse of scripture at this time that just means a lot to you, Bill? The verse that uh, led me to the Lord has always meant a lot to me uh, in Galatians three twenty six. But um, really, I think uh, the combination of uh, Psalm twenty four. And the parable of the talents. I thought a lot about that, uh, and that really is the reminder that God owns everything. That's Psalm 24. God owns everything: time, talent, treasure. And the parable of the talents confirms that uh, God doesn't want us to give back to what He's entrusted to us. He wants more, which is being productive. It's just a constant reminder as I'm looking at what I've been given in the way of uh, resources or time, uh, and, am I, and I, I need to continue to invest those for a return for God. And so it's, a, it's, it's not a guilty conscience. It's just a constant reminder, mm-hmm. which is stimulating, in fact, for me. You see yourself as a steward. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's the principle of stewardship. I admire how Bill Pollard has lived for Christ in the marketplace without compromise and is pointing the way for those who follow in this generation. Bill's book is titled The Tides of Life, Learning to Lead and Serve as You Navigate the Currents of Life. You'll find links to this book and more information at our website, firstpersoninterview.com. Also online, you'll find this and past interviews archived for listening anytime it's convenient. One idea is to copy the link for first person and pass it on to others you think would benefit from hearing what you've heard today. That's firstpersoninterview.com. And if you'd like to comment on today's interview, please go to facebook.com slash firstpersoninterview. That's facebook.com slash firstpersoninterview. Next week, our guest will be the president and CEO of Mission Aviation Fellowship. We'll talk with John Boyd. 
Now, with thanks to my friend and producer Joe Carlson, I'm Wayne Shepherd. Join us again for First Person. First Person.